Amen. It's good to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 65. We'll finish off in Isaiah this morning as we've been going through different prophecies from Isaiah as he's showing us our great Messiah, the long-awaited Jesus Christ here at Advent, looking at his love and his hope and joy and peace. And now today, we're going to be looking at really what is truly one of the most wonderful times of the year. As the song tells us, that's really what Christmas is. It is one of the most wonderful times of the year, but we won't be caroling out in the snow. Uh, if you're staying local, at least, we won't be doing that this week. But we, but we will be enjoying God's grace, and we will be enjoying his gifts. And that's an angle to Christmas that we, we can't forget. I, I think to be truly serious with Jesus is to also seriously enjoy all of the gifts he gives us. Um, the, the, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and that everything in this world that we enjoy, that we love, that brings us holy happiness is a gift from God. And so family and friends and <laughs> playing spoons on Christmas Eve with your family, honey-baked hams, noise-canceling headphones. These are all gifts from God, too. And I think sometimes, Christians, we can be guilty of the heresy of Gnosticism, which is to only value spiritual things, to only love unseen things, and to despise things that are physical and material elements of this world. And at Christmas... Maybe more than any other time of the year, we should remember that the eternal Son of God took on a physique, took on a physical form, took on a material body to show us that God loves the world and he loves sinners and he came to redeem us from the curse of the law for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. That's why Jesus came. And he also came to give us another gift. At his first advent, which is what we're remembering now, is at Christmas season, and it's his arrival to earth, there is another advent. That's what we're going to look at today. The second advent of Christ, because now we're waiting for him to return. That's how, the book of, that's how this book ends. Have you read the end? You can skip forward. You can read the end. Don't get hung up in numbers. Read Revelation. Don't get hung up by the dragons and stuff, too. You can go read the last chapter. And it ends with saying, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride, the church say, come. And that's what we're waiting for, his second advent and what he's going to bring us when he arrives. Have you ever thought about what's gonna happen? What you're gonna walk into when Jesus comes back? Oh, it's awesome. And that's what Isaiah tells us about today and Isaiah 65, beginning of verse 17. If you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. It'll also be up on the screen. Isaiah 65, verse 17. And the prophet Isaiah tells us, the Lord says, for I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. And her, a nursing infant, will no longer live only a few days. 
or an old man not live out his days. Indeed, the one who dies at 100 years old will be mourned as a young man. And the one who misses 100 years will be considered cursed. People will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or, build ch- or bear children destined for disaster for they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like cattle and the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord. You may be seated. Anticipation is hard wired into Christmas, isn't it? Who doesn't remember being a kid and just waiting to wake up on Christmas day to thunder out of bed and see what's under the tree? You can't wait. And, and now as an adult, I have an Amazon wish list and my parents buy off it and Natalie's parents buy off of it and I can go and look and see what was bought. <laughs> and I haven't done it this year. I have past years. I haven't done it, but I can't wait to see what was purchased off my Amazon wish list. And I can't wait to see what Natalie got me. I can't wait for her to see what I got her. her see, this is, the, this is also part of the Christmas, the anticipation of not only what you receive, but the anticipation of the joy on people's faces when you give to them. It's, it's a back and forth explosion of, of joy. And beloved, there's a day coming on the second advent of Christ, the return of Jesus, when he will give us a gift and he can't wait to give it to us. When, when Jesus became a man, it's the incarnation at Christmas, him, the God, the eternal son, becoming a human like us, living a sinless life and then crucified for our sins and then raised from the dead, then he ascended back to the Father. Do you remember one of the things he told his disciples why he's going back to the Father's right hand, what he's going to be doing? He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. This is why I'm leaving. One of the reasons he says, I'm going to prepare your future. I'm going to master, build, architect, and engineer how you are going to live for eternity. And you just read about it in Isaiah 65. And this is why we should say and hear from the prophet Isaiah, welcome home. This is gonna be your home, not just for the holidays, your home for the holy days forever. And look at what it'll be like. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. Why God is so excited to give us, give us this present. Look at verse 17 again. For I will create a new heaven and a new earth. So this is bringing us all the way back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here he now says a new creation story, a new heaven and a new earth. This is not a small present, guys. This is not on the level of socks. This is not even on the level of a 4K 100-inch TV. This is not even on the level of the silly Lexus commercials where there's a car on the driveway with a bow on it. Give me a break. If that's happened to you, man, good for you. Real life, that doesn't happen. How, How do you go and buy a Lexus and your spouse has no idea, first of all? Anyways, this present God gives is not on that level. This new heavens, new earth, this is on a cosmic 
level. This gift is so large, it literally takes the entire universe to capture the gift. Because that's what it is. A new universe is what God is going to give you. The words are here, a new heaven and a new earth. When you read new heaven, don't think, what's wrong with the current heaven where the angels are? That word heaven here is not the heaven you typically think of. This, is, this heaven is everything that's not earth. So everything that's not earth, sky, Neptune, galaxy 412a, all of them out there, that is part of the heavens, the heaven. And here he says, I'm making it all new for you for you. God is making a new Jupiter for you. That's crazy. God, God is making a new earth for you, a new nebula galaxy for you, a new, a new Houston for you, a new, new New York. No, that's hard to say. A new, new New York for you, a new New Mexico, a new Paris, a new Mount Everest, all for you. So let's think about that. Why is he giving us a new universe, a new place to live forever? Well, on one level, we know he is eliminating sin from the universe. He's not just renovating it. This is not just a fixer-upper. This is a whole new thing together. I mean, wasn't forgiveness of sins enough? Wasn't to be condemnation-free? Wasn't that a big enough gift? Why this gift too? Because this gift is also a quantifiable idea of God's love for his people and his delight in you. Think about it this way. You, you talk with your kids. You know how much I love you? How much do I love you? And they stretch out, my little son, six years old, stretch out his arms this much. And I go, and I stretch out my arms, no, this much. I love you this much. And then if you've seen Avengers Endgame, what is Tony Stark, Iron Man and his daughter, they say to each other, I love you, I love you. I love you 3,000. I love you 3,000. Isaiah tells us that God says, I love you, new universe. Infinite. Unending. I love you, my eternal son, and I love you, infinite new universe for you so you can understand my love for you. That's why Jonathan Edwards says that heaven is a world of love. Heaven is a world of love. Forget, he went to Jared. He went new universe for you. He went new earth for you. He went cross and tomb and resurrection for you. And notice what God says. I love these two words. These might be my two favorite words in the whole passage. Verse 17, the second and third word. I will. I will. How much comfort are in these words? We could spend hours ringing out the significance of these words here and throughout the Bible of God saying, I will do it. It's not on you. Think about Ezekiel. I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. 
I will write my spirit. I will write my law with you. I will, I will put my spirit within you. I will write my law on your heart. I will save you. I will redeem you for all your backsliding. I will give you new life. I will rise for you. I will come again. All of these I wills just make us, guys, just relax in the love of God. Your, your eternity doesn't depend on you. He's got it. I think some of us just need to exhale and know I am in the hands of God. I will do it. Hands off. You, you, you don't have, the quality of your eternity is not up to you. I will create it. God will get it done. And God will get you there. God will bring you there. And beloved, you'll be living in the imagination of God forever. Ever think about that? You will be living in the imagination of the almighty creator forever. The master builder, the almighty will architect your eternity and everything on this earth that's amazing. The, the animals, I mean, have you ever seen a giraffe up close? They're amazing. You ever seen the, no, copy? You can Google that later. It's like a half zebra, half weird other animal. They're so cool looking. And who hasn't seen an amazing sunrise? Who hasn't got chills when they listen to Whitney Houston hit a really high note? There are so many amazing experiences on this world. But think about this. All of them are tainted with sin. All of them. Every sunrise. Sights, smells, tastes, mountains, snow. It's all amazing. But imagine what it will be like without the presence of sin in this world. That's why what he says in verse 22, my chosen ones will fully enjoy. Guys, we have never fully enjoyed anything yet. You realize that? We have never fully enjoyed anything yet because everything we've enjoyed has a thin layer of sin on top of it. But when he gives us this new universe, and he gives us new bodies raised from the dead, we will experience joy to the fullest. And look at how amazing it's gonna be. Why we should look forward to it. Look at the second half of verse 17. I'll give you a new earth and look, the past events, which is our present, your reality right now, the past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Here's what he's saying. You won't miss the old earth one bit. You won't miss the old earth at all. And this is not that your memory is going to get wiped. You're not going to get men in black sticked before you come into heaven. What he's saying is you will put your feet on the new Jerusalem soil. And maybe, maybe we can all agree. Let's all resettle in the new North Houston. I, I'm, I'm just banking on God's goodness that the new North Houston will have weather like San Diego. It's not going to be like current Houston. Or if it is, I'm not living there. We're going somewhere else. You're going to live in the new Jerusalem. Here's one, here's one thing that will never happen. Terrorism will never cross your mind. You will never think about ISIS again. It's not that your memory gets wiped, but it gets strengthened. It, it becomes what it ought to be. The past won't be a problem to you. And you think about all the things in life that hurt us, that, that drag us down, that make us cry, that we don't want to remember. And so you'll never think about all the stuff you wish you would have bought. 
you won't remember the stress of your job. I'll never have to think about the Golden State Warriors again. You'll, you won't care about American politics ever again. And some of you desperately need that. Impeachment. You, you'll be on the new earth and you'll go, impeachment, what's that? Who gives a rip? Where's King Jesus? And you'll go hang out with him. You'll be set free from all the past pettiness of this world. Your sins, your guilt, cancer, grief, anxiety, depression, all of the woulda, shoulda, couldas no longer come to mind because you are reigning with King Jesus forever. And this is his Christmas gift to you. Christ and his arrival and in his second arrival will bless you with this. And look at what he says now in verse 18. Since I'm doing all this, then be glad and rejoice forever. God literally says to you, I want you to be happy forever. Perk up. Don't you love that? God says, I want you to be happy forever and I'm creating it for you. I am creating a place where you will find joy and you will delight forever. Happy forever. That's a salesperson's nightmare. People happy forever, that's a marketer's worst thing they could fathom. Something that would literally make people happy forever and God says, I got the goods. Because right now we live in a world of juicy fruit joys. Of starbursting satisfactions. And here's what I mean. Did you know that Starburst makes gum? They know. It's amazing. It, it is the best gum I have ever had. It's unbelievable. It beats icebreakers. It beats Bigly Chew, which is still really good if you haven't had it lately. It beats Super Bubble. It beats Hubba Bubba. It beats Bubblicious. I mean, I want to work in the company, the department that's naming gums. Bubblicious, Hubba Bubba, those are all fun to say. But Starburst gum explodes with flavor. I literally said to myself out loud in my truck after the first bite, wow, all alone. I, I couldn't believe how good it was. Then guess what happens? A minute went by, then what? Chewable rubber. <laughs> Flavorless, chewable rubber. So what do you do after that? Well, I better add another piece. Then you add the other piece. Whoa, Oh. What do you do after that? I better add another piece. You go through the Starburst gum so fast and it comes in like a little vial. It's like nothing. And it's gone. It explodes, great flavor, and then crashes in less than a minute. These are the joys of this world, guys. A Starburstian joy, a juicy fruit joy, here, gone, and all the joys of this world, if they're disconnected from God, if, God, if they're placed above God, or if God's pushed to the side, your joy is here than gone. But see, God says in verse 18, I have something to where you can rejoice forever. Forever. God is not anti-happiness. He is for your highest amount of happiness. Don't ever view God as a killjoy. View God as someone who wants to give you a joy that can never flame out. 
So don't think, well, God just wants me to stop sinning. He does, so you can be happy forever. He just wants me to read the Bible. Yes, so you can be happy forever. God is not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to give you the best life possible. So don't think, well, I gotta get my best life now. Listen, that kind of idiotic teaching only does well in America because we have really good lives. No one's buying that book in Rwanda. No one's listening to that garbage being persecuted under the Chinese government. It is easy to say, you can have your best life now when you're sitting on a golden throne on TBN. That's a lot harder to say when you're being crucified upside down by the Roman Empire. Because you know, my best life is later. My future is to come. And that's where I'm looking. That's where I'm going. As C.S. Lewis said so well in Mere Christianity, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, these starbursty enjoys, these juicy fruit joys, they're gone. The most probable explanation of this is that I was made for another world. And you were. You were made for another world. And Christ came to give you this new world. He was born that men no more may die. He was born, the second born from the dead, so that you and I would raise from the dead and be welcomed into his new kingdom forever. Jesus wants to give you something of significance that we'd stop messing around with all the little things of this world. Jesus wants to give you something significant that will last forever. Life with him, a place with him. And the passage is faith in his cross and empty tomb is faith in him. Forgiveness of sins, of of new life in him, to rest in him, to come to him, all who labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. As St. Augustine said on the first page of his masterful work, Confessions, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself. And here it is, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. You were designed, God made your heart to not be satisfied by Instagram likes. God made your heart to not be satisfied by having the perfect family vacation. God made your heart not to be satisfied by whatever it is you're gonna get this week under the tree. You will be restless December 26th. You will be restless January 2nd, when you already failed your New Year's resolution. (laughs) The gym will be there the third. But you will find rest when you rest in him. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Are you at rest in God? Are you restless? Do you realize that you're not meant to build a home in this earth, to find, to find your place in this earth, to try to be something in this earth, but that you are, a, you are a sojourner, you are journeying towards the new Jerusalem. So you gotta ask yourself, if I am not resting in God, if I, if I still seem restless, 
What is clogging up my enjoyment of God? What is clogging up my enjoyment of God? Why am I not experiencing the joy of God? Why doesn't this excite me? Why do I read this and I don't really care? Why am I more satisfied with the 70, 80, 50 years of earning and buying and enjoying things in this world and not eternity? Why? I don't know. You have to answer that for yourself. It could be that you don't know Jesus. It could be you know some church stuff. It could be you know some worship songs. It could be that you've heard of Jesus, but maybe you aren't in Jesus. You're just around Jesus. Jesus wants to give you himself. He wants to give you significance. He wants to give you real purpose. He wants to give you a future with him. And God is so excited to actually give it to you. He's saying, welcome home in this passage. And now he's going to tell us, welcome hope. Welcome what God has to offer you. And look at verse 19. Look at how excited God is to give us this gift in his son. Verse 19 The passage switches from us rejoicing. Now we get to see God's side. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. I love that verse. God is saying, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy in my people. He is like a father on Christmas morning, smiling over his kids. As as a dad rips, you watch your kids rip up in the presents. You see their, their thing. Oh, thank you. Okay, listen, real quick. Here's how you know a gift fails if they repeat the name of the gift, you give them a belt. Oh, a belt. Bombs. We will get in the new Jerusalem and no one will say, oh, a new universe. We're gonna say, thank you, Lord. And he's gonna smile over us. Look, I will rejoice and I will be glad over my people. Rejoicing over our rejoicing. God, happy Because of our happiness. Here's what I love about God. Listen, God loves to love you. That's what this verse is teaching you. God loves to love you. Do you see that? He'd be glad over his people. We need to relax in the love of God and in his goodness his gladness over us, that he legit loves you. And and look at why we should be so thrilled with this new world, that the weary world will eventually rejoice because this new world won't be weary at all. Look at verse 19. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. Here's the second part. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. Our world is filled with weeping and crying. We could go around the room and tell heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story of reasons we've cried this year, of of ways we've had to hold back tears this year. But in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens, in the new earth, there will be no sound of crying because nothing will ever make us sad again. All of the downers in this world, gone, eradicated. This is the power of Jesus to forgive sins and then to create a place where your joy will never be threatened. 
Disney lies. The happiest place on earth is filled with screaming, crying children. The happiest place on earth is filled with parents who are frustrated. It's filled with people who are chewing out Disney employees. But this is a place where joy will never be threatened. The new earth, your eternity, will literally be heartbreak free. Look at verse 20. He says how? In her, in this new city, this new Jerusalem, this new earth, a nursing infant will no longer live only a few days. The infant mortality rate of the ancient Near East is astronomical. Ours is so much better, but we still see tragedies. Or an old man will not live out his days. Indeed, the one who dies at 100 years old will be mourned as a young man. The one who misses 100 years will be considered a curse. So here, here's what it's saying. Now, this sounds like people are gonna, are people gonna die in the new earth, and new Jerusalem? That's not what Isaiah is telling us. Remember, he's speaking metaphorically, he's speaking poetically. He is speaking to some of the most heartbreaking things in this world, death. To hear of a child's life cut short, child, childhood cancer, these tragedies. He's saying that won't happen in the new Jerusalem. Or to see someone die of a heart attack in their 30s, or 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, that's so young. And we say instinctively, man, they were taken too soon. And don't be the jerk that has to correct that. Well, God's sovereign, you know. I mean, yes, we know. Thank you. Go away. Even Isaiah is saying, sometimes it feels like people's lives are cut short. A child dying too soon, a man dying too soon. Isaiah is saying here, people won't be taken too soon. Meaning death, that's one of the saddest things in the world, will be gone. Because we'll rejoice forever. Don't forget the first one. We're gonna be rejoicing forever. We're not gonna die. There will be no threats to us. And we gotta remember that processing death is not a part of our mental makeup. We were not designed to die. It is not a part of the, our makeup, our mental makeup, our design that God gave to process death. Think about it. Adam and Eve were created to not experience death. Their psyche, their, their mental capabilities, experiencing death and handling death, processing death is not hardwired into them. This is why it is so difficult and so hard for us. And sometimes why we never get over it on this side when someone close to us dies, because we were not meant to just be able to go, okay, I just moved that over. That's... We were not meant to experience these things. That's why grief is so hard. And that's why Isaiah is telling us that kind of grief will never happen in the new earth. We will live forever and we will be happy forever. The only people this happens to, he says, are the cursed ones. Well, where are the cursed ones? The curse is gone. There are no longer any cursed ones because Jesus won the victory in his resurrection when he rose from the dead. He destroyed the curse once and for all. Jesus won. And now all of the biggest threats in your life are gone. That's where he goes in verse 22. You're not gonna get ripped off. Look at verse 22. They will not build houses and others live in them. They won't plant and others eat. Here's what he's saying. Sometimes in life you get ripped off. 
What's one of the biggest fears of selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace, uh, Craigslist, um, other than getting stabbed? What's one of like, the other fears of these things? You're gonna get ripped off. You're gonna buy fake. It's gonna be broken. It's not gonna be what they, what they say it is. He's saying here in the New Jerusalem, you're not ever gonna get ripped off. Because here, here's, here's their concern, his, his listeners. They would build a house and what? They would get invaded kicked out and someone else would live in their house. They would get invaded, taken away and forced to be slaves in some other country. That someone would come in and pillage them, take their children, take their wives and they would, their lives would be over. Someone would come in and steal their field. Isaiah says, the biggest threats to your life being fruitful will not happen. So to us, the biggest threats to your life being destroyed our ancient history. You have nothing that should cause you to stay awake at night. Jesus is creating for you an experience that is unparalleled and he will give you peace. Do you live in peace? Do you want it? I've heard said of people, man, they're not happy unless they're unhappy. That's Eeyore, isn't it? Eeyore is not happy unless he's unhappy. Some of us, we're not happy unless we're stressed. We're not happy unless we got drama. We're not happy unless we're unhappy. Jesus wants to change your life and give you eternal joy in him. If you want the happiness of God, if you want the delight of God, if you want the gifts of God, the love of God, he says, here, it's all for you. I, I, I love to give it all to you and it's all in my son. It's all in him. It's not in trying to be a good person. It's not in trying to have, do more good to outweigh your bad. It's not in finally cleaning up your life and then showing me, look, I am a really good Christian. It is in none of those things, but it is only in Jesus Christ. By faith in him, by trust in him, by receiving him and his death and resurrection from the dead, as 2 Corinthians says, all the promises of God find their yes in him. You want this? God says, look at my son. Look at the cradle. Look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. And look at the throne. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. So maybe, when you say Merry Christmas this week, maybe say it with a little bit of anticipation for the merriment of your future. Don't just think about this week. Don't just think about how much fun you'll have with your family, and I hope you have so much fun. Don't just think about the joy you're gonna have as you open those presents that you already know about. I, don't. Think further. Think bigger. Think eternal, too. Think about the merriment of your future, of what Jesus is preparing for you right now. Another Emmanuel. Another God with us. As Revelation 1 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is your future. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. 
They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. And he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Why? Because the previous things have passed away. That's, this, that's the final Merry Christmas. God with us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Let's pray together. Come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say, come. We're ready for you. We, we want you to return and we want to live in your eternal kingdom. We want to be with you forever. So come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, would you set us free? Set us free from the things that are clogging up our joy in you. We, don't, we may not even know what they are, so show us, Lord. Reveal to us by your word and by your spirit. Help us now, King Jesus, to find our everlasting, rejoicing forever joy in you. And the things of this earth, things of this earth will grow, grow strangely dim in light of your glory and grace. And we might begin to see life rightly. We might begin to find real joy Help us, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.